0: into this wilderness to find. Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God.
1: All right, it's going to get spooky up in here. It's creepy already. It's kind of creepy because I, I have a I have a big blanket covering this area. So.
0: Which, w- wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Which
1: area are you talking about? I'm encased in this little you know my little studio area with a with a sound blanket covering it. It's kind of spooky in here now. I thought you meant of your body. no, no,
0: like I have a blanket covering this area. I'm like, i'm not I, I'm not sure I want to continue.
1: <laughs> you didn't ask what I was wearing yet. um, we can get to that later.
0: well, perfect for today because uh warning dear listener, we're gonna talk about some spooky and scary stuff if you are spiritually squeamish. Uh, you might want to listen with caution, probably not an episode for your kids to listen to. But it is another episode of Rated P for Paranormal. I'm Maddie Blake, and with me is my co-host and partner, as we say here in New England, Anthony Arkin. Hello, Tony. Hey, Maddie. Wrapped in your blanket.
1: Yep, I'm all cozy.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. I say partner in New England. That's a theme tonight, in, in, I think, in this episode, because we'll be discussing the paranormal topic of witches and dark arts and spells and... How those things manifested here in New England at the Salem witch trials, and how they're still around today. At least some people believe they are, and how all those things are represented in the 2015 film The Witch by Robert Eggers, which will be our film today. Uh, and this is the second in our witchcraft trilogy. So, Tony, it begs the question Have you had any dealings with witches, and what do you know about witches, and spells, and dark arts, and all that stuff?
1: Oh boy, have I. <laughs> um. No, I can't say that. Um. Well, I mean, look, this is this is an interesting beginning to the conversation because here we're dealing with a topic that is kind of difficult to define right away. W-w-w- witches do exist. People that practice witchcraft exist. Uh, people that practice Wicca uh, exist. I don't know. I I get into territory here where I get nervous about talking about some of this because this is actually, you know, there are real people who have religious beliefs and that they practice this stuff. I, I don't I don't want to speak out of turn about any of it because I, I want to be respectful. But, you know, I guess the question is like broomstick riding witches with extreme supernatural powers versus, you know, the types of witches that we may have met. And I have met a couple of people, I guess, in my life who've practiced Wicca and may have considered themselves a witch. And I've certainly listened to some rock and roll that's very witchy with some witchy vibe to it and met some people that do. I don't know. But is there a real witch that does the stuff in this movie? I think you're the guy to answer that question.
0: I mean, it's a complicated question. I feel like we should, be. which imagery was big in the seventies, wasn't it? With music, like the Eagles and stuff like, Hey, she's a witchy woman. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess there was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the comedian Adam Carolla always talks about that in his podcast, and he'll play like he'll play all the songs that featured witchy women in the, in the music, like
1: she'll put a spell on you. Yeah, but I mean, was that just now growth of the, the kind of occult supernatural frenzy that was in rock since you know the the sixties? I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, and and it speaks to the change in culture as culture goes on. Like you take the Salem witch trials for example, which is a horrific story again as we alluded to last week a horrific story of you know panic and accusations and you know we all know what a cautionary tale it is in all the ways it serves as a horrifying story and yet if you go to salem now to this day the policemen wear witches on a broomstick on their
1: arm and are you serious
0: oh yeah yeah like the 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 salem if you google it um like the salem town symbol is is a witch on a broomstick basically um, and the the high school, I think, at least when I was going to college there, I was known as the witches that was there. We were the Vikings of so the college, but uh, the, the high school was the witches. And so with time, all these things become mythologized through the passage of time.
1: The thing about this that's so interesting is that I think there were, pr- I mean, I'm I've not done the kind of research on this that you have. I would assume that there were people back in the day that. Were accused of witchcraft. Obviously, they weren't witches and didn't pretend to be or practice it. They were just accused of it for convenience sake. And then there were probably some people that practiced what they might have said was kind of witchcraft. But back then, that was like healing herbs and, you know, being a doctor who wasn't sanctioned by the church or somebody who, you know, uh, somebody who was into like, uh, the folklore of that, of that region and believed in, in elves or so. I don't know. I mean, I think that those, those people would may have considered themselves witches and, uh, and then they would have been punished for that.
0: You're exactly right. Uh, and that is kind of the history of, of witchcraft, quote unquote. Um, like, so to get to the, the witch on the broom that we think of historically to get there from the beginnings of it. You're exactly right. If you read, and I haven't read extensively on this at all, but I've read a few books on witchcraft and um, basically what the experts say, it started with exactly what you say. It started with men and women actually healing people or attempting to heal people or just attempting to avoid the calamities of whatever time that was. And this goes almost back to the beginnings of recorded history, really. Um, You know, using herbs, for example, or trying to summon some sort of creature or deity or entity using the skills of the time or even skills outside of the norm then. And, and actually, you know, these people would do house calls and um, outside the mainstream is as it were leading us up through the generations to, you know, the witch that we see now, which really comes from, I think, uh, based on what I saw, there's some like, uh, you know, middle ages era of, of witch imagery. So that's when we start seeing that. And then in Europe, Europe had the biggest uh you know kind of witch accusation killing uh by far there there was some thing i saw where um and by the way this this went to the middle east as well that witches and things like that was that a witch's cat oh my witch- god <laughs> oh happening now my
1: god i told you it was, it was spooky back here listen to that are you so- kidding me right
0: now are you kidding me right now
1: if you he does this every day. Oh if, if you don't if you don't choose to edit that out for whatever oh no, reason
0: I will not edit that out. That, I'm terrible. Just, so right
1: just so people know. He that's my cat and he his name is Cagney. He's fine. He just likes to vocalize and um oh and every once in a while he'll run up on top of like my sound booth in the studio and just uh, let everybody know how he feels
0: oh my god so, my heart is pounding right now i'm yeah. down in maddie road studios yeah. all alone with christmas <laughs> lights on and i'm talking about witches
1: and i hear this disembodied cat in my ears when he started doing this it was pretty sudden when he decided that he was a singer and uh <laughs> it's very startling and scared us to death but it's fine mm. he's fine and uh i think you know he just has some stuff to add to this but um oh my. God, As you were saying before you were rudely interrupted.
0: Oh my God. That is so perfect. That is so perfect. Um, and yes, the cat becomes associated with the witch at some point. And mm-hmm. also funny in our movie, the witch that we're about to talk about the the trouble kind of all starts when there's a disappearance, the kids go into the woods and the sun chases a rabbit looking a rabbit basically. And the rabbit, is really tied to the witch and to spirits in the forest like the rabbit comes up time and time again in fact huh, last week we talked about the bell witch and how that all started with him seeing something he couldn't explain in the woods and i believe john bell described it as having some sort of wolfen or dog like body and a rabbit like head which is terrifying
1: that is scary I've heard that too about rabbits in, in uh, medieval lore. Uh, I have a good friend, Peter uh, Stray, who's a filmmaker, and and um, he's taught me something about that stuff because he likes horror stuff from, from. Uh, well, he's from Wales, and um, there's a lot of lore from the Middle Ages, apparently, in Europe about, about rabbits and their connection to sorcery and stuff like that.
0: Interesting. I grabbed here a little piece about, you know, if you think he had it bad in New England, Which, of course, again, horrible story. Europe really had a bad with witches and the accusations therein. Uh, And this comes from an article I I looked up. Uh, It says, by the end of the 1600s, the witch hunting hysteria in Europe reached its peak. Witch hunts spread like wildfire across Europe, the worst of which occurred in France and Germany. Wurzburg, Germany, was home to the worst instance of witch hunting in recorded history. The magistrates of the time determined that most of the town was actually, in fact, possessed and under the spell of witchcraft, and condemned hundreds of innocent people to death. Wow. Yeah. So you know, serious, horrible stuff. Um, and and it, and then it you know culminates here in the United States with the Salem witch trials. By 1692, uh, we weren't even Massachusetts then; we were called the Massachusetts Massachusetts Bay Colony, which actually comes into play later in history when we attempted to exonerate all those accused of quote unquote, witchcraft during the Salem witch trials as a, you know, apology, if you will. And one of the problems was Massachusetts didn't exist. It was a different government entity altogether. It was Massachusetts Bay Colony. So Massachusetts said, we have no power to, we have no legal power to, to you know, exonerate these women.
1: It's always the red tape. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Which seems silly, but they eventually did. Um I think 14 women were executed, five men And two dogs total. Uh, One of the misunderstandings of history is that no one was burned at the stake. Everyone was hung. One person was crushed. Uh, A man was crushed with weight. So, yeah, it's a a terrible story. I'll say this about it. I get my back up a little bit when we talk about historical incidents of spiritual matters like this. Because there's no doubt that there's an element of hysteria and superstition and all of that. But I think I find it really offensive to now in the gaze of modern technology to dismiss everything that happens when people claim supernatural events or spiritual events as just the common folk of the time the the uneducated people back then who just fully gripped on superstition and let their imaginations run amok, I just don't like that. Because there's several reasons I don't like it. Because these people were freaking smart. And yes, they didn't have iPhones, but if you read their writings and their literature and the things they built and created with what they had, they were they were human beings. They were as brilliant as we can be now. And so when one of these really incredible events happens, through the fog of history, we're easily able to dismiss it. This is just where I come from. I happen to believe that there are things in this life that we cannot see, that there are battles, as the Bible says, uh, powers and principalities that we cannot see. I just happen to believe that. So given that fact, I tend to believe that when a lot of these cases, or maybe just a few of these cases, I don't know, there could be something that we don't understand attached to them. And if you believe that there's something we can't see, that might indicate both good and a malevolent force, an evil force, a bad force also. Let's just assume, for sake of argument, that I'm right. And I don't know that I'm right, but let's just say those things exist. Those things are going to come to us through the environment with which we live in. Back then, it was woods, it was rural, it was natural so that's the language you're going to speak that's the parlance of the day that's how you're going to see these things manifest now it might be your computer screen your phone and if you don't think evil's coming through your phone you haven't spent much time on social media my friend so <laughs> that's kind of where i come from so even as horrible as a Salem witch trial is, and I'm very careful here because innocent people died, no doubt, and I, I, it makes me sick to my stomach when I read accounts of innocent people saying, hey, I didn't do anything, and they get hung anyway. Like, of course I hate that. Of course I do. But to dismiss everything in history as superstition, those you know, those people didn't know any better back then. I don't like that. The other reason I don't like it is because it doesn't it doesn't explain what's happening now in modern day where people can't explain what's happening to them. I got you. And, and some of these things happened now that happened then like uh, producing strange objects out of their mouths uh metal objects bolts nuts full apples like weird stuff that is yes could be explained by science i guess uh levitations bite marks um on and on and on and on
1: this is really the giant meta topic here isn't it though i mean like if anybody's going to discuss or try to talk about the paranormal and I mean, I think you and I are kind of aligned, but we're also an interesting couple of people to talk about this because I think we come out our interest in this from very different places. And that's great. I think that's interesting. That makes the conversation interesting. I mean, I, I don't have a philosophical framework around which to put any of this stuff. Um, I'm not a student of the Bible. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a member of any religious organization or affiliated with any church or, or temple. Um, that's not to say I don't, you know, have what I guess in modern day vernacular would be termed kind of an inner life or, or some kind of spiritual, uh, life. Um, I just don't have, um, a framework for it. And I, I wasn't, you know, raised in, in one. So I, uh, There's so many things about this that are about religion. Um I think that, you know, when you say that people were 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 injured by this, that the tribe the church that was trying them was a was a was the very puritanical Christian church that that was doing it. Um were they being tried for crimes or philosophical ideas? And that's where I feel like there's a big, big discussion to be had. Like was the motivating force behind this witch hunt more of a kind of a, uh, Spanish inquisition kind of thing to just reinforce the power of the church and it's, and it's, in it's ability to protect people or shun them or as it's seen in the beginning of this movie um, it also laid the framework for, you know, the natural world being kind of essentially either a frightening place or a neutral place or even an evil place that the only sanctuary for anybody was was once they died and got the chance to go to heaven that that was the only happiness that was going to that you were going to get and i f- i think that this movie i mean we haven't started talking about the film yet but this movie does a very good job of kind of of allowing that conversation to be had in the mix with all of this stuff. Um, So, I mean, and you say that like the people then were smarter than we give them credit for. I, I think that too. I I mean, I've, I've done a couple of plays, you know, as an actor where we had to research other times, I did a play that took place in the middle ages and it was very well researched, you know, really, really methodical. And I learned a lot of things uh, about life back then. And including that I had a lot of assumptions about how, dirty they were or how you know, crazy or or stupid they were or how. and just because they lived you know, a few hundred years before us. I mean in in the the real timeline, that's nothing. So they were probably a lot more, I think, like us, even into the ancient times than we like to think that 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 were. but but there I stop and I go, yeah, we're smart, and we're advanced and do all this stuff, but look like even in just the last few years, how we still get caught up in insanity that is of our own making. That's totally crazy. That's like self-inflicted madness that that doesn't really have any real weight in the real world, but people are getting destroyed by this stuff even today. And I think in 100 years or 200 years, we'll look back at this time and have the same kind of attitudes like, wow, they were so smart, but how could they have fallen for X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And so maybe that's never going to change. Well, I don't know how much the, I don't know how much the human
0: intellect has evolved. You know what I mean? Like technology's evolved and we get, we make adjustments like, oh, hey, it's no longer okay to bully. Like we've done that in the last couple of decades, right? We grow, but I'm not sure that makes us intellectually superior to someone that lived in 1794. Do you
1: know what I mean? I would agree not being a scientist in any way, shape or form and having studied none of this and having not even gone to college i think you're completely correct but there i remember reading about them like d- dropping off uh, ipads or, or you know like chromebooks or whatever to to people i i don't know where it was it was like either in, in a small village in africa or, or south america where they really hadn't gotten technology they hadn't gotten their hands on it yet and they they like gave these kids ipads and within like, apparently like three days, they were just doing it, everything. They had it down. And I think that maybe proves what you're saying might be true, that it is an intellect. Like we, if, we, if, if people who've never seen technology before can get with an iPad that fast, that means that intellectually we're, we have been on the same page for uh, thousands of years, maybe. Like maybe give somebody in ancient Greece an iPad and they would have been like after three days like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Apps.
0: yes and i think to go back to the witches and tie this all in together exactly right intellect for the most part is probably intellect human beings are human beings we have been for a very long time and to answer your question of like where's the line between was this just done to enforce power anything like that when you talk about you know witch accusations and largely broadly yes of course it becomes something horrible but are there moments where this stuff was truly rooted in someone being touched by the other side from the negative forces of the other side, black magic, dark arts? There are stories where preachers or whomever to this day, actually in modern time, come into a situation like that and their sole intent and purpose is to prove that you're mistaken. It's something else. It's epilepsy. It's uh, abuse that's manifested itself in act, acting out some physiological, psychological, or scientific explanation. And they just cannot explain what they see and what they're dealing with. And that to me is compelling. And so that's the world in which this movie lives. I think this movie, which we're about to get to, presupposes okay. What if this family was really being contacted by an evil force? And I think we can make larger conclusions, uh, tying it into societal norms of the time and, and talking about the power structure and the matriarchy and the patriarchy and all that. We can tie that in. But I think this movie is basically saying like, what if this family went out to the wilderness and encountered the devil, right? I mean, am I wrong on that? I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's that simple. Not simple, but I don't think the movie is, is leaving up for debate whether there was an evil force affecting this family, unless they're literally imagining the things that he shows us because he shows us things. He doesn't just show a wind blow a door open. He shows a guy shut the door.
1: You know what I mean? All right. Well, we'd have that. This gets into really nitpicky stuff because I know, I know for a fact that, that Robert Eggers, the guy who wrote and directed this movie, I've read that he implanted things throughout the film to enforce the idea that you could have other interpretations for this experience if you wanted to. And I think that's what I really admire about this movie is that it presents the experience. It presents the experience that these people had, but it doesn't, it, 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 I mean, outside of the ending and I could even, we could even discuss that. It doesn't necessarily fall on one side or the other because there's something so profound. I think about the case it makes for, This being an extremely heightened situation of psychological deterioration and mental illness.
0: Yes, that's definitely there. This could be the long, slow mental deterioration of a family. Also, however, there are moments when he shows us things. Now, could that person be hallucinating that? Yes. But I'm kind of like you in the school. Like, Well, the filmmaker showed me that person. Right. I saw that
1: person. Well, I mean, I guess this is th- I think what I love about the mystery of this movie and what I like about the topic of conversation is the mystery of it. Maybe most I, 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 f- I feel like I'm I'm really open to hearing the info, hearing the stories. I I, I, I believe stuff that we can't really explain happens all the time. I just don't know. In a situation like this, there's so many factors. I was thinking about this. You know, we talk about the church, and it's the church thing, but it's not the church, Maddie. It's like a small town in the middle of no, in the middle of nowhere, and to call it a town like any of these little outposts in the beginning of our country, or like they were out in Europe, they're just—it's just a group of people that are thrown together, and some of those people, you know, I mean, Jonestown happened, didn't it? and and if you think of people in extreme situations who've just made an ocean voyage that nearly killed them and the the risk that they took just to get out here there you know there's a there's an extreme level of, extre- of extremity in all of this and i think it would be very easy for a community of people based on those factors uh to fall under the spell of not the church but of of a splinter group of a, of a, of a pastor or someone who, who took that power into their own hands because they actually thought they were protecting people from, you know, I, maybe they thought they were, but they would do, doing horrible damage along the way. I think that that's kind of what I felt like watching. This was like, man, this, you know, as if the town they were in, in the beginning of this movie was any great shakes. Right. Right. Maybe there are other forces at work, I believe there are crazy. I think the universe is like open all night. That's what I think. I think like it's all happening, but it's just for us to determine when and how and what we don't know what the rules are. And, and um uh, sometimes I feel like I'd just rather be just like a fascinated observer than somebody who has any definitive ideas about what, what it all means. Um, does that sound like a cop out completely?
0: Not at all. I think not at all. no, no, I'm, in fact, I think the cop-out is trying to vehemently ascribe something to explain it, be it, be it, by the way, social forces or this or that or psychological. Well, well, it's simple. When people get in, when people get in big groups, Tony, you see, there's a psychological component. But it's, called, <laughs> exactly. it's called herd mentality. It's like, screw you. I'm just saying that both exist, in my belief, both exist and all that. Like you said, open all night, baby. Right.
1: I mean, case to case, I don't know. I wasn't there on any of these cases. Don't know. Don't have a stake in any one of these particular cases on anything we're going to talk about. I I could be real or could be not. It doesn't really affect the fact that I feel like something's something's afoot, things that we don't know yet, which is why I'm a little bit hesitant to call any of this stuff outside of science. In a way, I feel like it is science. It's just not science that we've come to understand.
0: All right, well, let's get to the film. Before that, I just want to talk about a couple of the paranormal aspects that witchcraft deals in and that are presented in this film. For example, uh, the idea of spells or sacrifices. Um, There's a a part in this movie where a child is taken, abducted, and it's insinuated that the witch uses that sacrifice to put some sort of potion or spell together to give it power. Um, so that's a common theme in, in, in throughout history in these things that continued through the 80s with like the satanic scare of the 80s. We heard constantly as children, you're going to get abducted because they're these satanic cults. And their number one prize is the loss of life, especially the loss of if they could get a kid or something, sacrifice you and gain power through death. So that's 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 shown in this movie. Um,
1: Horrifically.
0: Oh. Oh,
1: I mean, they don't even really show you, and it's it's not a graphic, but it is so messed up. Oh man, oh man,
0: it's so incredibly well done. This film, we'll we'll get to that. Um, the idea of a tulpa, or uh, you know, an imagined thing coming to life, or something from your mind brought to life, um, or witches using animals to do their bidding, like luring the kid with the rabbit. Um, the Billy Goat in this is another example of that. Um, witches or demons or devils using nature, using animals, using uh, the things around it to do its bidding. Um, And we see that in this film too, which I think is a fascinating idea. And the modern, (laughs) one of the modern kind of manifestations of that, like, so back then it would be an evil billy goat or an animal they couldn't explain. Now, a lot of people have believed with the abduction thing, they see the gray alien as some sort of demon like creature, or uh, something used to do something nefarious as bidding. There's a biblical reference to the Nephilim or the fallen angels, the demons of the time. And a lot of people in ufology believe that those, there's a, there's a camp, I shouldn't say a lot of people, there's a camp in ufology that believes that those two are related. What we call the Nephilim, the fallen angels coming from the sky to do evil things are the grays of today or the aliens of today and might be called witches flying on broomsticks back then. I don't know, but it just does. There seems to be a timeline there of strange things that people really believe they saw. So I think that's fascinating. Um, What else do they show the witch do that we might want to touch upon? Um,
1: Flying or levitating.
0: Boom. Levitating. Yes. Which, you know, there are historical accounts of people basically signing the affidavits of the day saying, I went into this person's house, they were levitating, they were, they were bitten all up and down their back, that, you know, swearing to these things that we, we see portrayed in this film.
1: Uh, seduced.
0: Seduction. Very good. Yes, yes. Seduction, the sexual temptress. So that's just a basic uh, summary of some of the, there's one little surprise. Well, two quick things before we get to the film. One is we talk about UFOs and I thought it'd be interesting to note that um, we won't mention names, but you had a friend that had some video that he found strange. And we actually spent uh, two days ago online on a video conference call analyzing the videos, night footage taken, and it's a truly unidentified object in the sky.
1: It's a pretty weird video. I, we, you and I haven't talked about it yet, but I, I, did, you, did, you, did you feel like it was compelling?
0: I thought it was totally compelling. Basically, uh, an acquaintance of Tony took some night vision photography at a very rural location. Time-lapse as well. Time-lapsed. Very key to mention that. Time-lapsed night photography. So you can see the planes go by and he's got all those identified. That's a plane, that's a plane, that's a plane. But then something kind of behind the tree line appears in this video. It moves at a very slow rate compared to the planes. And when you factor in the fact that it's time-lapsed, it's moving extremely slow, but it's extremely bright and it moves in a st- extremely strange direction. So it's, it's, it is anomalous. I don't know what it is. I was able to refer him to MUFON. Your friend had never heard of MUFON. Um, that's a mutual UFO network for those of you listening who don't know. Here's the weird part. I gave him the name of someone from MUFON that I know analyzes videos. And your friend texted me back five minutes later said, just looked them up. He lives right near where this was filmed.
1: Are you serious?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I said, "That's oh, what we call no. synchron—That's what oh, we call no. synchronicity
1: in paranormal." Again, film. I don't like that at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love when I freak you. Out. I don't like that. All right. Well, um, so thank you for that. I thought that was a fun paranormal exercise. I love when people come to me with their footage or their pictures or whatever. It's great fun. All right, Anthony. Let's dive into this movie. Let's take a quick little break, and we'll uh, dive into the witch.
1: Can support this podcast in more ways than just sharing, rating, and reviewing.
0: Just go to our homepage, anchor.fm slash ratedparanormal, and click to donate. I mean, we are starving artists after all.
1: Yeah, that's just because you can't cook.
0: Hashtag truth. Hook us up and we'll keep hooking you up with great content. Anchor.fm slash ratedparanormal. And if you feel so inclined, please click to donate. Tony, it's New England, 1630. William and Catherine try to lead a devout Christian life homesteading on the edge of an impassable wilderness with five children, but their newborn son mysteriously vanishes. Their crops start failing and the family begins to turn on each other. The witch from 2015 is a chilling portrait of a family unraveling within their own sins, leaving them prey for an inconceivable evil. This film was by Robert Edgers. uh, excuse me, this film is by Robert Eggers. I always say Edgars as an Edgar Allen pose. It's not Robert Eggers, his first film. Uh, what did you think of the witch?
1: Well, I, I had, I had the pleasure of seeing this in the theater. I don't know if, if you did. Had you seen this before?
0: Yes, I had. I watched it. Well, I'll let you finish. And then I'll tell you about my experiences watching this film. Cause it's funny. I,
1: I saw it in the theater and there was a lot of hype about it when it came out. And, um, It's one of those rare movies, a particularly kind of horror influenced movie that has a lot of hype that worked even better on me than I, than I thought it didn't let me down. And on second viewing, I I got even more out of it. Um, I think it's an exceptionally beautifully crafted movie. I think it's exceptionally smart, you know, um, and uh i'm i'm kind of i'm just i'm really impressed you know i'm really kind of blown away by it it's um it reminds me of of a lot of other great films and it clearly is drawing inspiration from some masters and some great old master filmmakers but it also feels kind of fresh and 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 new and and really like (laughs) really immersive i mean i really feel like i know what it was like to kind of go through that experience after seeing this film,
0: this movie was to me, you know, Led Zeppelin one. <laughs> this was a home run for a fr- like. I watched this movie, and I'm just going, "How is this a first time filmmaker?"
1: Yeah, is that fair? I mean, I just, yeah, totally fair. It's so
0: well crafted. It's so well put together. It's got such an artistic hand. And what's what's stunning about it is right from Jump Street. Um, the opening shot basically is our lead character played by Ralph Innocent. But what's funny, I, it was driving me crazy when I watched this movie for the first time and I looked him up for those of you who are fans of the original office, the British office, the Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant office. And by the way, full disclosure, I'm a British office snob. I'm a huge fan of it and not so much the American version. Uh, Ralph played the character Finchy. Um, on the uh, on the british office
1: i didn't know this oh my god
0: i mean talk about two different performances he was the uh like the scumbag sales dirty joke buddy of ricky gervais's character on the office who comes into town
1: (laughs) oh dude it's i can't even imagine it
0: it's beyond funny. It's beyond a great performance. And, and just, but it's, you couldn't have two more disparate, you know, characters, really. His name was Chris Finch. Chris Finch. Finch, he's coming into town. My, my, Chris, you know, he's just this awful, lecherous, you know, just salesy, weasel jerk of a guy that Ricky Gervais's character idolizes. And, and this actor plays the lead in The Witch. And the opening shot is basically him in front of the board, the, the church board of the time. And
1: we don't know. It's like the co op board. We know you have cats in there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Perfect analogy with the cats. Um, <laughs> but he's, he, and what's great is they're never, you're never, as the audience, you're never quite clear why they're getting kicked out of the community. There's reference being made to him having a true interpretation of the Gospels, which is terrifying in itself, right? Um, but he's speaking. In the actual language of the time. And I remember reading that Robert Eggers, who grew up right around Salem, um, he researched the language of the time. So everything you hear said in this movie is either a direct pull from transcripts, or at least it has been vetted to sound like how they talked back then. And I find that thrilling. I have done nothing save preach Christ's true gospel. Must you continue to dishonor the laws of the Commonwealth and the church with your prideful conceit? If my conscience sees it fit. Then shall you be banished from this plantation's liberties?
1: Yeah, it's so accurate feeling that you actually can't understand half of what's being said. And, and I don't even mean that as a criticism. Like, it's just people talk differently then, and you just got to deal with it. And there's closed captioning, I guess, if you want it, and it might be helpful for some people. But honestly, it doesn't. It's it 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 feels really on purpose, and um, and it helps to create this kind of really mysterious world that you have. You just have to deal with. Um, And it's also everything is biblical. Like everything sounds like it's in the Bible. Everything everybody says which adds this kind of heightened sense of what life may have been back then.
0: I'm from not far from there. Uh, Salem, where the witch trials took place, where all this is basically kind of pseudo-based, um, it's misidentified because the actual like witch trials that we know of kind of took place in what's now Danvers, even though it was called Sa- Salem then. But it, that's just semantics. It doesn't matter. It's all the same area. It's right. There. They border each other. You know what I should do? I want to read you something. But I want to read you something. Hold on. Uh oh. This is from my <laughs> this is from my as-yet published book. This is the first time I've read anything from it in any sort of public venue.
1: As yet published or as yet unpublished?
0: It's un what I say? It's un it's unpublished. I haven't published it yet. Because heretofore unpublished. Thank you. The guy I was gonna to have to write the right to forward, my friend and the guy who hired me to work on the Oak Island show, Kevin Burns. I had uh, finished this book in quarantine. Oh, this all ties together spookily because I watched The Witch with my two producer friends that I was in quarantine with actually about three months ago. And I was going to, one of the things I did was I said, hey, I'm finishing up this book while we're in quarantine about my time on Oak Island. It's like a quarter of my life, how I got to Oak Island, like a little background of my career and my life, getting to Oak Island, how it all ties in, and then my experience on Oak Island. That's the gist of the book. And my goal was to have Kevin Burns, the one who hired me to do it in the first place, write the forward to my book. So I said to my two friends who are, the pro- who are producers on The Curse of Oak Island, I said, hey, guys, I'm going to be finishing up this book here. I've been working on for about a year. I'm going to use this two weeks of quarantine to really work on it and hone it. Can you guys give it to Kevin and see if he'll write the forward? Which he would have. Um, and they were like, yeah, totally. And, and he died on the Sunday we got back. I was, supposed to actually, I was actually supposed to spend the day with Kevin and he passed away. So, Oh, no. The book sits in my computer. I haven't done anything with it because it was, oh, God. you know, I need a little time to kind of lick my wounds and stuff. Um, but I want to read you a little little section. This this is kind of yeah. funny because it, it, it all ties in. And then I coincidentally show, because I was writing this section of the book at the time we were on quarantine, I showed them this movie, The Witch. Uh, we that watched must have
1: it. made them feel great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, who are we living with? Who is this Matty Blake? We thought we knew this guy in five years. What is wrong with him? It's not a fun uh, light watch. No,
1: it's no fun at all.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, The college, So this is just one little paragraph from my book. The college I attended was in Salem, Massachusetts, home of the infamous witch trials. It was hard not to be aware of the weight of that tragic history while going to school there. There seemed to be a dark metaphysical aura whispering in my ear while at Salem. That old sense of dread was creeping back in. And yet, despite all the spooky imagery, the entire town seems to be a memorial to rationalism. Deadly proof of what can happen when you allow superstition to infect your thoughts or, more broadly, how you govern. This became a solid brick in the growing foundation of my secular beliefs. I professed out loud that I dismissed anything not of this world. I remember once reading the phrase, aspirational atheist. That was me. I wanted there to be no God. It would have made my life easier. But way down deep, I couldn't fully shake the events of my childhood and the things from my past. Occasionally, I would lock eyes with someone clearly presenting themselves as a witch or Wiccan, a common experience in Salem. And despite my great efforts to look completely nonplussed, I always got the sense they were on to me, like they knew I was secretly scared of what they may be tapped into despite the fact I was trying so hard to look like a guy who didn't believe in any of it. So that's a little segment for my uh, unpublished book.
1: Wow. You, you're, you're a much better writer than I, I thought you were going to be. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't know why. I <laughs> didn't think you could write. I don't know what it is. No, I'm. That's terribly mean. That's really cool, though. I I really want to read this. Is this a memoir, a, a kind of, or what? What, what is this? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's,
0: the first quarter of it is like I said, my life, my kind of faith journey, and how I started first learning about Oak Island, and then how I ended up working there, and then the whole second half of the book or longer is my experiences working on Oak Island.
1: Right. Right. Oh, cool. That's really neat. Wow. But
0: I thought that kind of tied in. It's it's funny I stumbled upon that while watching The Witch a couple months ago with these guys, and just thinking about Salem and, and the history of witches and how they they're represented throughout time. Um, and yeah, like that movie was a perfect visible piece of art representation that is exactly how I pictured it would look and smell and feel like
1: back then. Right? Yeah, it completely immersive. Yeah. It really is the job they did on all of it, the design, the language, the costumes, the casting, the scenery. I mean, everything was so carefully done and um, without feeling like a museum piece either. It feels like it's really happening, you know, Um, thanks to the performances. I mean, Edgar Edgar Scott... incredible cast the woman who plays thomason anya taylor joy who i guess was a girl when she made this has gone on to do other stuff including what the queen's gambit which she's starring in right now she's fantastic she's such a good actor and but everybody is in this i mean y- you know
0: how about the little boy who has to go through that uh he goes through uh well i won't say but he goes through because the movie's still kind of new we'll, we won't spoil it um 2015 but yeah we won't spoil it uh the boy goes through a horrific experience at the you know and and that performance by that young boy where he sees uh oh
1: my god he's so good i also love how it's layered in without discussion really at all but you know her her the fact that she's kind of becoming a woman and now right at this point and um how that's kind of something that her little brother is noticing and it's kind of awkward and you feel like that's like this weird component to this story somehow that's not discussed, which reminds was like what we talked about last week about the poltergeist activity. Like in this viewing, I have to say, I found her, I'm going to try to say this without giving too much away, but I found her less innocent than I did the first time
0: mm-hmm me too
1: but I also but I also have to say this viewing gave me a much different um, theory on what's behind all of this than I than the first time.
0: Tell me let's get into that because we alluded to it the first half of the
1: podcast that there's something about you know there's some kind of f- people wrestling with the idea of original sin in here, right and their in their core nature being corrupt and that they have to you know they have to adhere to this incredibly stringent, a form of, of, uh, of Christianity in order to, to get to heaven. Um, every single move is, is life and death, you know? And, um, what seemed interesting on this read to me was that, you know, he's, ex- the family is ex- expelled from the town for, for, I guess what you, you feel like is his interpretation of, of, the gospel, that there's something about him, his arrogance, about his interpretation of it that's gone against the church somehow, and they think it's blasphemy, and they kick them out.
0: Yes, which I love that they never explain, because it opens up a whole host of possibilities. Was he was he into polygamy? Like, what is it? And what did he do? What were his beliefs that they found so offensive? I think that's fantastic.
1: Truly interesting. But what I love about it is it also gives you all the all the things you need, which is which is arrogance and hubris, right? That's kind of implied in it, right? That With arrogance.
0: Yes. He says as much in his prayer when he's, ba- he says, I didn't move here for, you know, and I can't imitate that dialogue, but he he basically says something to the effect of like, this is this is my shame. I, this was about my pride, not my religious conviction.
1: Right, right. And I feel like, um... What this is, what this turns into is arrogance outside of his community. He goes to, to the natural world, right? They're forced out into the wild. And in that wild place, he, he offends that landscape. He offends nature by his own arrogance in the same way that he offended the church because he has a manifest destiny attitude about it. He feels that it's about controlling the nature and he doesn't know it he's a bad hunter which they say and he doesn't know how to do any of this stuff and the wife is implying that they're failing possibly because he's inept not necessarily because they're cursed she's actually going you don't know how to hunt your crop is bad cuz you can't farm and i think there's something interesting about the uh, of 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 framing it like this the the witch may become a witch to them manifesting itself out of basically uh uh, you know, nature spirit, that the nature spirit that they're confronting in the wild now has as big an issue with his hubris as the church did and tests him because of that, and f- takes the form of a witch because that's what they understand. And I think that interpretation clicked for me because like I feel there's something going on in the world, like I th- do believe there's many mysteries that we have yet to understand out there but we always i always feel like we may name them wrong or not interpret them correctly because we're either in the middle of it or cuz we're standing in it and we can't really see or because we have limited information or because of our own indoctrination so it's as if like the family is literally up against this supernatural power but misinterprets what it is in even as it's happening and in, and so anyway, that was kind of my take on it this time.
0: That's totally fair. And I, I I think that nature is a huge theme in this film. And in fact, even if you want to go the devil spiritual route, you know, their testament says that the devil has dominion over the earth, right? God's in charge of the spirit world, but the devil has dominion over the earth. And and everything, you're right. Like he even comes to his reckoning, that lead character with, uh, in a natural way, Black Philip, that goat that horrifying goat.
1: Oh my God. That thing is so scary.
0: (laughs) And then the personification therein, you're right. uh, We actually, you know, at some point hear from that goat, which is also terrifying. The vocalization. um, I believe the quote is, would you like to live deliciously? He says to the girl, which is in the trailer. That's the only reason I give it away. Um, Horrifying. I mean, that didn't serve. It's funny. I've watched it. I think um, if I remember correctly, someone I watched it with found that, uh you know kind of humorous i did not i i had trouble watching it the second time i knew it was coming and i I, full disclosure i fast forwarded it when the goat started talking like i literally did i can't i can't i just couldn't it's so good
1: It's, it's it's very effective it's effective how they don't show you really much at all of who's speaking it's really effective and it's also um how they talk about uh, <gasps> he talks about yes. butter do you want the taste of butter which was actually a thing right. because nobody had butter it was too expensive oh. and they couldn't make it and so having you stealing butter or craving butter and was you actually you know what all like I could think of Tony back all I could so, think of
0: was a teenage girl so she's a teenage girl and he's he's offering her everything that she's been told is naughty and bad he said would you like to live deliciously would you like butter the taste of butter right and she's of course saying yes all I could think of was a teenage girl now on her phone seeing, would you like a thousand likes? Would you like 2000 people to like your picture? What's the like the taste of butter?
1: What's that like to live deliciously? <laughs> wow. Okay. I, that, that's, I have a different vibe, man. I Because here's where I, I I, I I feel the movie does an amazing job of, of playing two games at once, which is really cool. What other what else is this girl going to do? I mean, look at it from this point of view. What she has been through the worst experiences from the beginning is completely misunderstood, is abused by her mother and 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 endangered all the time. She's, she's turning into a woman with no hopes now of, of getting married or living her own life or doing anything. Cause they're outcasts and she's got all the responsibilities on the farm. I mean, she's also undergoing this terrifying experience. And I, I feel like after all this hardship and the, and and without giving anything away, when we get to the end, she's she's kind of got this decision to make, and I don't know, I don't know what le- what else she has, which I think is a really interesting political statement as well. That that you know this is kind of a self fulfilling prophecy, that you create people that have nowhere else to go, they're going to they're going to turn that on you. They're going to try to survive in any way they can. And if that means, you know, um, going to the other side, so to speak, you know, like turning to the dark side, because when the only thing that the church has ever really given her is a sense that when she's dead, she may be okay. Maybe that's, that's not a lot for a young woman to go on, you know, who's, who's clearly full of energy and life and life force. And she's the only, really the only character other than her little brother you know who who seems to have life in her who's curious who who's not who's not aff- necessarily afraid of anything yet who's just like open and um i found that really interesting you know
0: yeah and she's the one it's quite it's of note at the beginning the first scene when they get kicked out of the town she's the one who lingers and kind of looks at the board almost you know she's almost in this trance like state but she <laughs> She's like, what are we doing? You know, the, the, the effect I got was that she was basically saying, like, wait a second, can I stay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And yes. the son, the son goes, come on, we got to go. You know, we're getting kicked out.
1: Yeah, because she knows she's old enough to know and she's smart. Um, I also think that there's a couple of things he does in the beginning. Like he does this. He has this John. Did you notice this reverse John Ford shot that he did in the beginning when they're leaving the town and they're being kicked out?
0: Yes, yes. With the with sitting in the back of the uh, of the wagon,
1: yeah, in the back of the wagon. So they leaving town, and the gates shut on them, shutting out the world, right? Which is the reverse thing of the opening of a lot of John Ford movies, where he has like the doors open out of this darkness, and you see the landscape, and the camera move through it. Which, if Eggers is as smart as I think he is, what he's saying is this is this is actually going to be a reverse engineering of this story, and I'm going to give you a different version of this story than anybody's anticipating that this is actually more about like, it's like the great American myth in reverse. It's a, it's kind of, it's very creepy. And, and uh, the movie just leaves you feeling deeply unsettled of
0: note in of note in that scene too, is that we see native Americans. I, I think, I think they're, I think they're kind of portrayed. I could be wrong on this, uh, I should have gone back and watched, but I think they're kind of be, being betrayed as being like brought in almost as prisoners. I could be wrong. Maybe it's there. No,
1: they're, they're not, they look, they, I, they're they on their own and they look like three or four uh, who were just walking through town as they're leaving. They, yeah.
0: I- interesting. Cause I, I thought maybe that's somewhere you could go with this too, is you'd bring up nature, you know, the the exploitation of the natural surroundings around them, Including the indigenous culture, <laughs> you know, um, maybe there's a morality tale there a little bit. I don't know. He just slips them in for a second, so maybe not.
1: Yeah, but it's such an important shot because I think that really is like w- it. Without making too much of it, just having them in there look, and they look right at the camera. They look right at her, basically. There's some kind of knowing that happens there, which I feel like if, and this brings back another idea I had, which is that other cultures outside of western you know europe every culture has shamans in it Init- like originally in every culture throughout history there are shamans which you know i guess a witch like a a person who goes around healing people with herbs you know and helping people with kind of mystical spiritual help that's a shaman i think i mean it's a good definition how many of these witches in Salem, for instance, if they had lived in another culture, would have just been the local, like a shaman who was just, there was no problem there. Then my, my feeling is like maybe maybe the problem, maybe the supernatural problem occurs because of this cognitive dissonance between, but, but, you know, by not allowing the natural world into their practice, into their world, they they can't, neither side can get to, to heaven, you know, Neither. I see what you're saying,
0: but then Eggers puts this thing in that we alluded to before. You alluded to it earlier, and I want to kind of come to terms with this too, or have you help me understand it? I got the same thing you got in the second viewing that maybe this little girl wasn't <laughs> as innocent as we thought. Like he, I, I, maybe it's just, but it's weird that we both picked up on it. That I almost got that he was leaving us little hints or or little indications that maybe she had been dabbling in some communication with someone she shouldn't have. I don't, I don't know what to make of that.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I think we have to at least say this because it only happens 10 minutes in the baby is a baby is stolen.
0: It's right in the trailer.
1: So her little baby sister or little baby brother who's not been baptized yet. Right. And they're, they're terrified because he disappears and probably is dead before baptism, which means he's going to go to hell in their minds. Um, Which is like a vivid fear that they have they talk a lot about it the the baby disappears on her watch okay right she's playing with it outside and she's playing peekaboo with it and it's so cool eggers relies on really basic simple editing simple editing ideas to terrify you so much and it's basically like you see a close up of the baby. It's just two POV shots. looking into the camera. She's going peekaboo. She hides her eyes and looks at the baby, and the baby's look looking up at her in his close up. And you see her go peekaboo, and she closes her eyes. The baby cut to the baby, and the baby looks, and he has this look on his face, like suddenly something's happened that's not okay. They're still looking at each other, right? But the baby sees something. You, and it and the way it's edited, he sees something in her, I think. He's looking right at her, and his he goes, oh, something's weird. You can see he's uncomfortable. They cut to her, and then back to the ground, and the baby's gone, just gone. And they don't know where it went. Now, the only time we, we know for a fact that what we're seeing is actually happening, maybe with a witch, and this is even arguable, is with a little boy. But up until this point, we see a figure in a red cloak running away with the baby. We go, Oh, this, but there is no other character from the movie with them. So we don't know for a fact, whether that's a depiction of the fear of what happened or whether the baby was taken by, we just simply don't know. They withhold that information. We don't know if she killed the baby. We don't know if the baby was taken like mysteriously, like we see happen where she just suddenly it's gone. We don't know if something else took it, and that the imagined terror is this witch took it. But that's the beauty of the movie to me is that he just never, he just gives you enough to keep the mystery alive, um, and is smart enough not to go, um, you know, oh, it's just this witch who lives down the road, and she's going to come back and freak everybody out in the, in the in the end of the movie like in a normal horror movie. This is a this is like an art movie. This is like a, I mean, we should definitely say that to people if they, if they haven't seen it yet, this is an art movie. This is a challenging movie to watch. It's, 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 it's not long. um, And it goes by quickly, but it's, it takes your concentration. You really have to like read it like a book. It's a very dense.
0: Yes. There's no jump scares. This is not paranormal activity. This is not, this is a. An art film. This is more like the shining, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, it's very much like the shining. And also you know what's fascinating? I don't know if you know the movie Hereditary. I'm a big fan of that film as well. That these came out in the same year, and these two filmmakers, first time films for both of these guys. They've become friends. They're both really on point directors, both of them, writer directors. And what's amazing about it is I don't think they knew each other when they made these films, but they're the same freaking movie almost.
0: Interesting. About the original sin thing, and again, I I just wanted to say this, the complexity of this, if they are all hallucinating, if this is just madness, let's say, let's just say that that's your interpretation, uh, they all do see things that he shows us, meaning the director, Eggers shows us. He doesn't just, we see the personified demon or devil at one point for the girl. We see a specter that the wife sees, right? We, We actually see these things. Now, whether that's in the character's head or not, I don't know. I just want to point out how fully developed like every character is in their own, if it is psychosis, their own story, their own psych. The father has his own script practically that he's wrestling with, right? And so it's so fully developed and they're so three-dimensional. For example, it crystallizes for me in this scene. You talk about original sin and the father and son have an exchange. And the son says, does this mean because our little baby wasn't baptized that he's going to go to hell? And Everything that the father knows would say, yes, that's what we're taught. But the fa- the father says to him in, in like a moment of comfort, I think, father to son, he says, the truth is, son, we don't know who's evil and who's good. Only God knows. All we can do basically is our best day to day. And I thought, my God, what an incredible decision of, of screenwriting to make that moment happen as opposed, because I think what you would think the traditional way would be like, yes, son, our is going to go to hell. You know, it's like, no, he's, he's a father too. And he's trying his best. You know, I just thought that was so adept for a first time filmmaker. It was just really good.
1: It's so good. I mean, it, that you're describing what I felt was such a, um, uh, it felt like a great play. This film feels like an amazing night in the theater. And I mean that in the best way. It doesn't feel stage bound, but it just feels like, as deep and complicated as a great theater piece is. And it turns out Robert Eggers is a theater person. He started out in theater. He's a designer for theater. I think he's directed theater. So, you know, his treatment of actors and and that every character in this gets their motivation and everybody is, is more complicated than you first think. You know, the father does say that, but he's also an incredibly arrogant guy who is killing his family who's literally as responsible for them dying as as or endangering them as, i should say as as Jack Nicholson's character is in the shining and the the mother character who it's easy to kind of vilify in a way in this she has moments where she expresses herself and her terror of of cuz she sees where this is going you know she doesn't have the the blind and it is, as it turns out um ill ill-fitting faith that her husband does she she sees them all going to a very bad end and she's terrified so she, and she's grieving the loss of her of, of this baby and so everybody's justified she just wants to go back to england she's like i just want to go back to england and if you think that and and the weird thing is he doesn't say that's impossible he just says it's not going to happen
0: and that speaks again to his yeah his fault, although he he reckons with all that in in his in his final reckoning, you know he kind of admits to a lot of things we're talking about, which I find compelling too um she, the mother, I didn't notice this until my third viewing because again, I must warn viewers who are going to watch this movie. um it's very hard to understand literally um but I caught this for the first time in this third viewing. she admits to infidelity, no and she basically tells him unless i really misread it she's like basically this baby wasn't
1: yours anyway wow it's you know i mean the way that he's able to use the these this this uh, this witch idea and the church and nature nature these great archetypes and to and to use them as these metaphors that work on so many different levels it's really it's really amazing
0: I just Googled while you were talking, I, I just looked up, does the wife, um, Catherine, uh, did she cheat on the husband? Here's what, this is what IMDB says. William locks, oh, I shouldn't say that. All right. William does something to the children um, with the goats until something happens. Inside the house, Catherine tearfully confesses to William that she had an affair from which Samuel, the baby, was born. So she does. I thought that's what she was saying. I couldn't, again, it's old, high elevated language, but I'm like, did she just admit now? I also got the sense that she might've been saying that to him as a punishment of some kind, you know, like you failure, you made me. And I, I venture to guess that maybe she actually didn't. I don't know, but boy, yeah, there's a lot of layers on this film.
1: And it's so much hinges on lying. I mean, so much is it about it's a, it seems to be the biggest sin here is like lying. Um, because if that's the case then that's another that reinforces that again but you know the 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 first thing that the little kid does the boy that really gets our attention is that he covers for his father and lies to his mother about why they went out and that lie starts to be get a whole series of other things and half truths that they're covering who stole the, he, he he took his mother the the wife's silver cup right didn't tell her about that, and the daughter gets blamed for a long time until he confess. And it's so there's so much lying and deceitfulness going on within this family as well, and not being honest, like just not being honest with themselves, not being honest with each other. And that I like, I like a movie that gives you an interpretation where that the witch then becomes a metaphor for this family, what's besetting this family. Um, but it doesn't do it in a way that it's, it, it still please It's still a horror movie. Like it's still, it gives you the supernatural. It gives you the horror, but it also, yeah, it just works on so many levels. I've, I, I admired a lot. I can't, we can't give anything away, but okay. If you just, if you haven't seen the movie and you decide to see it, it is gruesome. There are things in it that are a little bit hard to watch, a little hard to watch. Um, there's, it, it gets a little bit violent. Uh, it's a little gory. Um, it's also mostly just a slow burn dread feeling of dread that just gets worse and worse and worse as the movie goes. And also culminates in one of the, you got to stick with it to the end. So like if you have trouble with like a period piece, or if it's kind of too much of an art movie for you at moments, please stick with it. If you can, ha- if you, if you can handle the, the rough stuff, like if you stick with it, because it will pay off as in ways that you're not expecting. And the last, the last moments are just beyond, they're so good. It's so good.
0: Well, I'm glad you loved it. I loved it. I loved it more. The more I watch it, the more I love it, the more it disturbs me in a good way. <laughs> and um, boy, uh, yeah. So no secret here after last week's debacle <laughs> of a movie, uh, this is absolutely, I think I'm not, well, I'll just ask you, Tony, do you, does this get a pee for paranormal? Is it going up on our shelf?
1: On the shelf. It it hits all the notes for me to be on the shelf.
0: Same here. As a matter of fact, I might put a little uh, reading light uh, illuminating on it, so, so that people will grab it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Want to say one thing: if you saw the lighthouse and we're and we're a little, if that was a little too much art movie for you, that don't be scared to see the witch because the witch is much less, you know, surreal out there art movie. What the hell's going on than than the lighthouse is. So if your taste is is not quite that out there already the witch is definitely you know more in your ballpark
0: completely agree the lighthouse his second film which is very similar in a lot of ways but i would agree with you this seems to be uh, a more succinct um effort i would say is that fair
1: yeah i hope he got the lighthouse out of his system let's just say that (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 we'll, we'll do that. We'll do a special lighthouse episode for, uh, for people who donate to us. <laughs> um, okay. So you can watch the witch on uh Showtime and prime video. You can rent it for like two bucks. It's not bad at all.
1: Or you can come over to my place to see it on Blu-ray
0: sometime if you want. And perhaps if you go to Tony's, you can live deliciously. <laughs> if that cat starts meowing again, I'm shutting this whole thing off.
1: He's I've named him uh black Phillip. Now my cat.
0: Oh, no! No! <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Rated P for Paranormal. Please rate, review, and share. It really does make a difference. For more information, you can check out our main page. Just go to anchor.fm slash ratedparanormal. Follow us on social media at ratedparanormal. All music is by Andrew Galdins, Jr. Give him a follow at Kidriga on Instagram. That's at K-I-D-R-I-G-A. This podcast was created, produced, written, and edited by Maddie Blake and Anthony Arkin. Rated P for Paranormal is powered by Anchor.